Good afternoon. Welcome to uh, an emergency version of Jay's Talk slash Blair and Barker, we'll call it. If you haven't been online, if you haven't caught the update yet, Shohei Otani has signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers on what is reported to be a 10-year, $700 million contract that will include, quote, unprecedented deferrals to help the Dodgers spread that out and spread out the competitive balance tax impact. I am sure you in Toronto don't really care about that element of it. The headline item here is that the Toronto Blue Jays are not signing Shohei Otani. This, of course, comes after some of us had let ourselves at least, you know, 40% believe, put a toe in the water, put the heart on the line. It has been an up and down week of reports and non-reports and silence from Shohei Otani and creative arts agency who represent him. It's ended with Otani going to the Dodgers. Otani announced the news himself today on Instagram We're in reaction mode. It is a blow to the Toronto Blue Jays, who were legitimately finalists in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. They made enough of a competitive offer, at least to make him think about it. The reporting that Shohei Otani visited the complex in Dunedin is accurate. The Jays were in the mix. However, they didn't get him. And this comes on the heels of Juan Soto already being traded to the New York Yankees. So if you are looking at this offseason, by far the number one and number two names on the list are off the board and it is not super interesting. What is left out there? The Toronto Blue Jays have a lot of work to do now playing from a position of catch up. I'm Blake Murphy. We'll be with you guys breaking this down, breaking down the implications for the Blue Jays and for major league baseball over the next, I don't know, hour and a half, two hours, however long we've got steam for it. Uh, Joining me first to help us do just that is Jeff Blair of Blair and Barker. Jeff, uh, good afternoon. You've covered an awful lot of baseball in your time, an awful lot of sports in general. Uh, how surprising is this for you? How much does this sting for the Toronto Blue Jays? Well, I mean, it, it obviously stings for the Toronto Blue Jays. This was clearly their um, their number one priority this offseason, or, or put it this way, they certainly led us to believe and led the baseball world to believe that it was their number one priority. Um, and I, I don't have any reason to doubt that because this organization will spend money. They've they've shown that in the past. Um, you know, from the get-go, from the get-go, I think if you asked anybody, you know, bet your life on where Shohei Otani is going to go. Like you, got, you can only make one choice. I'd be willing to bet 95 99% would say uh, the Dodgers. Can I admit something to you, Jeff? Yes. I may have done a little hedge for my happiness and done the same when the Dodgers swung to plus money. I was going to say, you know, I've I've thought there were there were two teams initially that I thought were might be in the picture besides the Dodgers. And I put my hand up and admit that, you know, listen, I don't think this is something the Jays decided to do, uh, you know, three days after Ross Atkins had his news conference at the end of the season. I think this is to do something like this. I think this is something the Jays have been working on for some time, maybe even as far back as a trade deadline. But I thought all along, I kind of in my own, my own head, the three teams that I thought were going to be in the race for him were the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Mariners. And, you know, the Giants, as bad as Jays fans may feel now, hey, at least you don't have to see Shohei 25 or 30 times a year or however many, I guess 16 times a year 
the way Giants fans do. I thought the Giants had to do something. I thought the Giants had to make a splash. We know what they did last year with Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa. Seattle seemed to make sense because uh, Shohei spends time in Seattle in the offseason. His agent has deep, 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 deep ties with the Mariners organization. Um, but because of the regional TV issue in Seattle, they quickly fell off the table. And I admit that I didn't, when I found out or when I heard that Shohei Otani was going to Dunedin or had gone to Dunedin, I didn't, I mean, it was interesting. It was great. Liam Hendricks went to Dunedin and didn't sign. At the end of the day, it was, I I always thought it was going to come down to money and comfort level. And I think for Shohei Otani, he stays in LA. He doesn't have to move. Uh, You know, he goes to the, to the Dodgers, an organization where, I mean, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani. And you want to talk about not only protection in the lineup, but protection from the media, you know. <laughs> um, you go into the Dodgers locker room post game, there are a lot of guys you can talk to, right? So I think if you look at that, it makes sense. Now, there is another side to this that I find really intriguing. And I don't know. We'll need to let this breathe for a bit, and we'll need to see just how far down the road the Blue Jays got with him. But the team doctor for the Dodgers is Dr. Neil Elitrash. He's the guy that performed the surgery on Shohei Otani, and he performed surgery on a lot of guys and a lot of major league pitchers. So I will say this. My gut is that there is no team in baseball that probably knows the full extent of his health to the degree the Dodgers do. And I wonder if maybe, and I'm just saying this, I don't know, but I wonder if maybe that comfort level, I don't know, did that did that factor into Shohei's thinking? Did it allow the Dodgers to move quicker than other teams? Again, I'm just, I'm, I'm just throwing this out there. But, um, yeah, look, for, for the Jays, you're right. Uh, no Juan Soto, you know, Heimer Candelario, who, you know, could conceivably have been their third baseman, I guess. He's off the table. And now you're looking at guys like Cody Bellinger and a whole bunch of, gosh, I wouldn't even call them plan Bs. I'd call them, I'd call them plan Cs. Yeah, if that. And, Jeff, you said a lot of good stuff there. We'll get back into the Dodgers side of things a little later in the show. You're right. Dr. Neil Alatrash not only uh, did Shohei, but, you know, we're talking Chris Sale. We're talking Joe Burrow. We're talking Kobe. uh, We're talking Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's done basically every major athlete uh, surgery there is. Now, the Blue Jays side of this, we do have uh, Sportsnet MLB insider Shai Davidi on the line, and maybe Shai can give us a little insight into what the last couple days, what the last week, and maybe a little what yesterday uh, was like. Shai, good afternoon. How you doing, man? I'm all right, guys. What's going on? Uh, just processing, man. Coping, so processing. Right. Um, okay, so from your perspective, you, you've obviously, you were down at the winter meetings in Nashville. Um, you've been on top of the report that Shohei Otani was alleged to be in Dunedin visiting the Blue Jays complex. Um, how has the Blue Jays side of this unfolded? How close did they think they were to Shohei Otani? Look, I think they believed they were in it and that they'd given Shohei Otani a lot to think about. Uh, the number 700 million is obviously staggering, and you know I think well, uh, you, you think about the size of that number, the magnitude of that number, and you know there might have been just one team that was willing to go there, and that's that's the Dodgers, and so 
uh, you know, that's where a lot of my thought is right now. It's obviously a very creatively structured contract with some deferrals, uh, you know, described as unprecedented deferrals that is going to help the Los Angeles Dodgers manage the competitive balance tax implications for years to come. So there are a lot of pieces to this. Uh, the Blue Jays are obviously going to be heartbroken because they poured all of their efforts into this to try and make it happen. Uh, that it that it doesn't, you know, leaves them in a tough spot because there's no there's no other opportunity akin to this. And even you know Juan Soto wasn't the same as this because Soto would have been one year. It would have been subtracting from your roster to get it done. This was uh, a, an opportunity, a transformational opportunity in multiple ways. Uh, that's not in play for them anymore. And, you know, it's, a, it, it's, it's not just that it's a, a plan B or a plan C or whatever you want to call it. It's the, the, the drop from what this plan would have been versus what else is, uh, at least that we know of, is on the table. Shy, when you look at the options that are out there right now uh, for the Blue Jays, you know, obviously the I mean, Cody Bellinger. I think a lot of people just assume that he was kind of he, he, he was kind of in a holding pattern until this is done. Where do you see the Jays going here? Because I've got to think, I could be wrong, but but I've got to think that they didn't sit and do nothing in terms of due diligence or background talks with other agents while they were waiting for Shohei Otani. Yeah, again the. Agents that I've spoken to said that their communication with the Blue Jays has been, hey, we're going to focus on this, and once we're done with that, we're going to be ready to jump into other actions. So I think, you know, one way to look at this is that Otani would have been the vast majority, perhaps even, you know, the entirety of the Blue Jays' offseason had they landed him, especially when you think about what that final number at $700 million ends up being. They have an opportunity now. I think this is the way they will look at it. They have to look at it. There's no choice. But they can add, try to add multiple pieces now. So maybe they do circle back a little bit more aggressively at Matt Chapman and uh, re-engage there. Maybe it's trying to get after uh, Yamamoto, creating some pitching surplus and making a trade-off there, although that seems a little bit more complicated. Uh, there's some intriguing uh, DH first types in Reese Hoskins, J.D. Martinez that can give you a boost to the lineup. Justin Turner could be in play. Uh, someone like Isaiah kiner falefa has been on their radar, and that is, is a piece they can move on now. Uh, you know, They've, they've looked at at least, at least looked at Michael Taylor for the outfield. So there are a lot of other pieces there. And it's kind of funny. I was kicking this around with someone today. It was like, well, what does this lineup look like if they have Shohei Otani? And then you say, okay, well, it's probably Springer 1, Shohei 2, Vlad 3, Bo 4. And that's like, wow. But then, okay, who's batting 5? Where are you going from there? Where are you going down from there? And so now maybe the Blue Jays spread it out. They obviously won't be able to replicate Shohei, Shohei's impact, but they can have a, perhaps a deeper lineup or impact in multiple different positions, and they'd have to hope that that results in a greater hole. 
All right, Shai. So what you're saying here basically is get ready to learn Jorge Polanco. Uh, take a look at some trades for, you know, look at the Brewers budget and see if they might have to unload Willie Adamas. And uh, yeah, like you guys said, it's not even a plan B at this point. It, it is a plan much further down. Um, Shai, I don't want to be doom and gloom because the Blue Jays were in this and obviously they were competitive enough to, to make Shohei think about this and make it a longer process. Uh, however, there is such a huge gap here between Shohei and everything else that is an option. Now, when we look at what that says for this front office as, you know, on the on the corporate side, they have all of these renovations. They've poured $300 million into a bunch of new seats and suites and things like that. Um, and then Ross Atkins, who there were, you know, legitimate questions asked of Mark Shapiro at the end of this past season where his job security was. I'm not saying not getting the greatest player of all time in free agency is, uh, you know, is going to determine that. But if you are this front office group now, what is the pressure level the rest of the offseason? And how do you even channel that? Because the options you just laid out as what they might do next are, you know, they're not going to, you, you can't channel that level of urgency into anything that's out there right now, unless it's something that, that we're not even thinking of yet. Right. I, I don't, it's going to be hard unless there's something that we don't see, which is very possible. Uh, but even in talking to other executives, there there's, doesn't seem to be something out there that would be able to capture the imagination in quite this way, right? Like this is Shohei Otani is a singular opportunity, like quite literally. He's the only player in the game like himself, and what he could do for your franchise, you know, that you can't replicate that. So the it's completely understandable for everybody to feel awful about this. It's, you know, this is tough. I, I think, you know, you can, if you're able to be half full, you look at this and say, all right, well, at least they tried, at least they made an effort. It's good that they're trying. It's good that they're trying to exert their market power in that way. But, you know, there's a great uh, tribe called quest lyric, you know, you don't want to get an E for effort and a T for nice try. So how do you, how do you reconcile all that? You just try to make the best team possible. And what you have to do is just, like, they still have a very good base of pitching. They still have Bo and Vlad. They still have a lot of talent. They have some prospect capital in the minor leagues. And you try to find a different way to win. And so that's the reality of where the Blue Jays are at. And, you know, if you want inspiration, the Tampa, Tampa Bay Rays can do it every year. The Baltimore Orioles uh, are seemingly doing it right now. You, know, you, do, you don't have to have a Shohei Otani to do it. But this was an aspirational move. They, they lunged, for the, they lunged for, the, for the moon. They missed. And now it's all about how they rebound. And I think where the pressure point comes, it's, you know, can you win in a different way? And if you win, a lot of the a lot of this feeling disappears. Uh, and if you don't, well, that's just uh, you know that's going to add up to the pile of grievances. I mean, I know that you you quoted you, you quoted a tribe called Quest. I'm going to quote my friend, uh, a guy just slightly slightly younger than myself, Lord Alfred Tennyson. Uh, it's better to have loved than lost than never loved at all. Of course. Um, Tennyson didn't spend a whole season with Brandon Belt and Dalton Varsho in the cleanup spot. So, <laughs> um, so Shaw, here's the thing: I I know how they can, I know how they can make fans happy on Monday if they want, and that's to sit down with Vladdy and Bo and say, guys, 
We had about $600 million to spend on a dude. He isn't coming here. We got some money left over. Let's get down to brass tacks. Let's try to get a, let's try to get a contract done that's going to carry you through. That's going to carry you through free agency. Do you think this has any impact on those decisions at all? Because that would, I think, that would be a pretty popular move within the fan base. Sure, uh, it would be popular. I don't think that you can just have, you know, just suddenly turn into gear and, and get those deals done. Is There's still an offseason that has to happen. Like, I think the market's going to shift pretty aggressively into action now. Uh, you know, I think there, there'll probably be a lot of people, and I haven't had a chance to text too much yet since the news broke, but I would expect that, People are just raring to go right now. If you're an agent, you're like looking at Shohei Otani. You're like, what he got? You're like, okay, my client is 50% of Shohei Otani. Let's do that, uh, or whatever the case may be. So uh, I think that'll be the the next piece that happens, and then you can look at that in the off season. But I still think the factors that have kept the deal from happening beforehand continue will continue to exist. And that is, you know, if you're the Blue Jays, do you want to ante up for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. after a couple of years where he wasn't that MVP caliber talent that we saw in 21? Uh, are you willing to take the risk that you're committing, you know, a nine-figure contract uh, to him based on what you've seen? And, and for him, do you want to go into that deal coming off two of your – not best years, or would you rather go into it uh, coming off what you hope are going to be rebound seasons in 24 and 25 and be in a much stronger position to negotiate? With Bo, I think the challenge is once you once he signed that guaranteed deal through his arbitration years, I mean, he's set financially. So he can go to the market with relatively little risk because he knows he's going to have uh, 40 mil in earnings or whatever it is uh, over the course of his career in the bank by that point. So he can really go for broken free agency. And so my feeling is that in all likelihood, Bo Bichette was going to need the market uh, to help decide his contract if he, re- if he resigned with the Blue Jays. Uh, and with Guerrero, it's just a, a timing thing where there's it's not, it's not a good time for either side to really jump in and make that deal. Okay, so Shai, obviously there are big factors in this that maybe the Jays couldn't control. Maybe 700 was just past the line of what they felt was reasonable. Maybe it was the LA factor. Maybe they just, and look, maybe this is the thing that we can address most. The Dodgers having made the playoffs 11 years in a row while still maintaining a strong farm system so that they can continue to add and be competitive. Maybe that was the differentiating factor. Um, If you are Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro and the Toronto Blue Jays, you've gone through this process. um, You know, let's play out a scenario where Vlad and Bo, you know, don't sign this year, have really good years, and you want to talk extension. Or Juan Soto becomes a free agent next year, and we do this all again. Um, what do you think the Blue Jays need to take from the fact that they were close but didn't get Shohei Otani here? I, I think there are a couple things, right? So first off, it's that you can at least tempt a free agent of that caliber with all that you've got. That's one. Uh, but the other thing is that each free agent process is is its own it's its own thing because everybody's a little bit different, 
right? The priorities for Shohei Otani may be different for those of Juan Soto versus those of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and those of Bo Bichette and those of whoever you want to throw out there. So, look, money is obviously the key. Money was there when the Blue Jays wanted to, to make this bid. That obviously plays, so that speaks to credibility with ownership in terms of what you're able to accomplish. And then ultimately, you've got to go and take a chance. And sometimes it's going to work out, as it did for the Blue Jays with George Springer and with Marcus Simeon, with Kevin Gosman, with Chris Bassett, uh, just, uh, just recently. And sometimes, of course, it won't, as it hasn't with Shohei Otani and as it hasn't with other players as well. Even from bigger names to, you know, the Blue Jays really wanted Andrew Heaney last offseason, and they tried and they pushed, and he opted to go to Texas. So that's the reality of free agency, and you're going to have to be willing to to live with the heartbreak. I think for the Blue Jays, if you're gonna, maybe that's the lesson ultimately that you have to be willing to live with the heartbreak, and this is going to be a heartbreak unlike any other in franchise history. This is a this was a free agent swing that was unique in franchise history. I mean, unique relative, really within sports uh, to, to the extent uh, that you've got a deal that may be the richest in all of pro sports, even, even European soccer. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that's, that's something you can pull from this experience. But, I mean, you know, there's it's a, lot of, it's a lot of silver linings right now because the reality is this isn't great. This is this this hurts, uh, but you move on, right? Just uh, there's another day tomorrow, uh, and during the baseball season, and there's another day tomorrow in the pursuit of free agents. Shy, I'm gonna let me kind of go a different direction here. Uh, if you're the Blue Jays, and okay, you you took your run at this guy, and you didn't get him, you, know, you got Vladdy and Bo for two more years, um, at least. Uh, you've got. Basically, you're starting rotation sewn up, knock on wood, pre- presuming everybody shows up uh, Everybody shows up in good health and things of that nature. Do we almost get to a point where this team, and I know Jays fans don't want to hear this, but do we almost get to a point with this team where maybe the focus goes from uh, trying to do something in the quote-unquote two-year window of opportunity with Bo and Vladdy to seeing if you can maybe expand that window. I'm not saying rebuild or retool or anything, but be a little more creative and try to bring in players who perhaps uh, have some utility beyond the Bo and Vladdy years. Yeah, so the, the answer is they're going to, they're always thinking about that, right? Because everybody understands what's going on with, Bo and Vlad and what that window does and look it's not just them right Casey excuse me Danny Jensen and Shohei Otani excuse me you should say Kikuchi not Shohei Otani are are eligible for free agency at the end of this season as is Jimmy Garcia so those that's three significant pieces right there and then the year after that it's uh, Bo and Vlad and Jordan Romano and Chris Bassett and Eric Swanson and others. And so now we're starting to talk about a, a very significant chunk of the roster. And so yeah, at some point, the Blue Jays are going to have to make a decision about do they have to pivot? Do they have to find a way to get younger players in there? And so I don't think 2024 is that window that or, or that the timing for that. 
I mean, maybe if all things go sideways during the 24 season and they're, uh, you know, 40 and 40 and 50 or something at the trade deadline, maybe at that point they're having a bit of a, a different thought process about it and saying, okay, maybe we need to do something a bit more substantial. But assuming that they're going to continue to be a competitive team and the pitching makes you believe that they will still be a competitive team, and then I think that decision gets punted down to 20 to to next off season, Uh, because really, unless you're pulling off some sort of trade, there probably isn't that piece that is elongating this window. I guess Cody Bellinger, maybe, uh, but I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure where the Blue Jays would be within that market. I think this is very, it, it bodes well for Cody Bellinger who, who needs more more bidders in his process, and the Blue Jays would certainly seem like a team that would be motivated to try and uh, at least explore that at this point. But I'm not sure that there's there are enough of those types of pieces that come with multiple years of control within the financial uh, financial wheelhouse that you would need them to be, where you have young controllable players that are down the down the payroll a little bit and create some 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 payroll efficiency for you. I don't know if there's a lot of that out there unless you're going to move a bow, unless you're going to move a Vlad. So that's kind of the challenge of where the Blue Jays are at right now. They're really, they were, they really have to double down on this core. Uh, so I think the first step is them to try is for them to try to augment the 24 group as best as they can. And then 25, you have to take a step back and see where you're at and then make decisions about what the best path is moving forward. All right, last question for me, and this is this is a purely hypothetical question, and, and you know something that I was kind of thinking about through the course of this whole thing. Um, we know that Shohei Otani and his agent can keep a secret. Uh, boy, do we know they can keep a secret. Uh, Shohei and his agent—I mean, they announced it was their announcement, not the Angels, when he accepted the Angels' bid when he was posted. They handled that themselves. Given the secrecy with which this whole thing has gone on, do you think we'll ever know how close or how far the Blue Jays were in this process? I mean, I don't. And if not, isn't that just going to drive people crazy? It's driving me crazy. Yeah, I mean. Look, I, I don't expect the Blue Jays to, to share their, their, their offer sheet to, uh, with him, right, detailing what that is. And that's really what – that's really the only way to fully understand how close they got. You know, where – did the Dodgers blow everybody else out of the water? I mean, you know, we were thinking – a lot of the speculation we were hearing in, in Nashville was, you know, it's like going to be between 550, maybe it gets to six. And then you see the seven there. And, you know, maybe the Dodgers just got to the point of saying, we're not screwing around with this and we're getting, we're putting a number that nobody else is going to bother with. And, you know, I think that, look, Shoei Otani, unless it was just a total leverage play and was just trying to use the Blue Jays to make the Dodgers scared, you know, that he would, travel across the continent to see the Blue Jays facility and tour the player development complex, you know, that to me suggests his interest was genuine. Now, did, uh, did that mean that, 
you know, did that mean that that he was going to come here or does that mean it was close? Who knows, right? Like if you're in that position, why wouldn't you explore every op- every opportunity and every option that's out there for you? Uh, so, you know, I don't know that we're going to necessarily get exactly, oh, I was on the verge or was, you know, only Shohei knows that. He's, it's, a, it's a very small circle that he keeps. Uh, but, you know, how the difference financially, that to me is the intriguing part. We're, we're the Blue Jays in the ballpark financially. The Dodgers just blow everyone away. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know that we'll get the answer to that. All right, Shai. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's the big thing is we're not going to get the answers to a, a lot of these things. I'd imagine the Jays will probably try to keep it tight lipped because CAA is a big agency and you still want to play ball with them uh, in the future. We have seen some reporting that, um, you know, John Heyman tweeted a quote that whoever one of the runners up told him that uh, their offer was not six hundred and ninety nine million. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of a gap there. But of course, anytime you're in, you're you're being leveraged unless you're you're the winner. Uh, Shy, really appreciate you taking the time out on short notice man and uh enjoy the rest of hanukkah thanks man I appreciate it guys be well guys shy davidi uh sports that's mlb insider uh we're going to be talking to uh bill shake from the la times as well in a little bit here um we're going to you know get the la side of this obviously what the reaction is uh in dodger land what the reaction is in nationally with the mlb which obviously la is kind of the the second hub after new york maybe see what uh what the price tags are like to move from anaheim to los angeles proper versus moving from uh, anaheim to toronto jeff we covered a lot of ground there um with shy we're not going to get to talk to Ross Atkins or Mark Shapiro for a little while here, I'd imagine, until the first round of free agents or trades um, hit. The winter meetings are, are behind us now. Um, what are you, you know, left most curious about right now from this process? Oh, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more than anything else, uh, just really interested on what plan. Again, I think Shy is right. I don't know. Could we even call it Plan B? I, where do they go from here? And I know that sounds like a like a kind of an obvious answer. And I hate to be Captain Obvious, but um, you know, do they go after Cody Bellinger? Look, I, it, I would I would ask I would ask anybody to go and and go to Baseball Savant, go to a bunt, go to Fangraphs, go do some research on Cody Bellinger. Um, Cody Bellinger does he make this lineup better? Yeah. Uh, how much better? It's a lineup that's already missing. Matt Chapman, Kevin Kiermeyer. You know, I could throw Brandon Belt in there. Brandon Belt in there, if you want. Um, that's really what I'm. What I'm interested in here is what is what is the next move, right? I guess what is the next first move? Because clearly, I, I don't think. I don't know. Is, do you talk to Colorado about a guy like Ryan McMahon? I don't know if there's anything out there that necessarily. Uh, that 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 necessarily is going to move the needle for fans Blake but you, you got to go about the business of making your team better and and I admit that I think I'm kind of guilty of this look we've all watched Matt Chapman and and you know we know what Matt Chapman's all about but if you look at the war that's missing from this lineup from a team that you know won one fewer game in the regular season last year than it did before I mean they've got they've got to make some moves there's three or four holes. I, I I can't put it any other way. 
And that that's the thing, right? Is if you're the Dodgers, this is look, the Dodgers were not in the best position either. They have a ton of pitching stuff to address. They're going to be super active from here. But if a big part of this was making the competitive uh, you know, the competition side of the case to Shohei Otani. Like I outlined before, the Dodgers have made the playoffs 11 times in a row. They mm-hmm. still have a really strong farm system. He's going to be dropped somewhere in a lineup that includes two perennial, like top five MVP guys in Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. And that's something that, you know, who knows? 90th percentile outcome. Sure. Vlad and Bo maybe get there, but it's not certain. And the Dodgers can look at Shohei Otani as we are adding him to push us over the top when we're already a lock for the playoffs every year. He's our guy to take us to World Series every year. Now, that's not realistic in baseball, but that's the pitch they make to him. If you're the Blue Jays and you're looking at the other holes that you have, there is still a question mark at the fifth starting rotation spot, Consider depending on what you think of uh, Alec Manoa. You know, the bullpen's in pretty good shape, but like you said, four guys who were pretty productive on below market deals last year mm-hmm. because of, of when they signed or where they were in their careers are out the door. And, you know, we can like Davis Schneider. We can be high on a Ralvis Martinez long-term, but if you're plugging two or three of those guys into holes, that's a lot of risk. And I do wonder if part of this is Shohei to the Dodgers is to push them over the top as a world series contender. Whereas Shohei to the blue Jays, you know, maybe he was left thinking, well, I still need proof of concept on how we're going to make up the rest of these wins, let alone take the jump into world series contention from just making the playoffs. Um, again, we're going to talk to bill in a couple minutes here, uh, Jeff, but do you, do you think like that, Obviously, money is money in the market is the market. But would you understand if Shohei looked at the two competitive situations and was like, man, NL West and with what the Dodgers have in their farm system, that's a better spot to win if the money's equal. Oh, a- absolutely. You know, especially since I don't have to I don't have to move. I, I you know, I didn't even, I, my spring training site is, is still in Arizona. And that's something that I think maybe we underestimate with major league players especially the current crop of major league players who have their routines in the off season right they have their personal trainers i mean it's it's like clockwork now when you are preparing for the regular season and part of that clockwork is knowing you're going to arizona for spring training knowing where you're going to be you know it's an easy commute from la to arizona there is I've had players tell me that, you know, you guys roll off state taxes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's a reason their spring training is held in Arizona and Florida. It's because they're low tax states. There's a reason a lot of players have their full-time residence in those two states because they're low tax states. But also, it's just handy. And if push comes to shove and you've got this comfort area, you know, it's going to take a lot for you to move out of it. And Let's wait and see. This is I'll be, let's wait and see where the Dodgers go from here. We've been talking about the Blue Jays. Would it surprise you if the Dodgers went after Blake Snell right now? Nope. I mean, we we've uh, there have been rumblings uh, from national reporters coming out of winter meetings that they could sure. be a player for Corbin Burns as Corbin well. Corbin Burns, correct. And and if Shohei has deferred as much money as you know, again, we don't know the figures. But everything we're led to believe is it, it sounds very much as if more than half of this money is deferred. If that is the case, um, if that is the case, then that it would stand to reason that that gives the Dodgers uh, room to to move on a guy like Blake Snell and 
you're you know you're absolutely right. That could have been part of the pitch to Shohei Otani. You know, that's one thing the Jays can the Jays could not go to Shohei Otani and say, Hey, if you sign this, we can guarantee you we'll bring this guy in. But you can probably, if you're the Dodgers, say if you do this, we can bring Blake Snell in. Now who would you if you're Shohei Otani, who would you give the better odds to in terms of bringing bringing in the supporting cast? That has to be part of the thing here. It has to be the Dodgers. And that's why, you know, I thought Bill Shaken's lead in his column over at the Los Angeles Times pretty much nailed it. And it's in Los Angeles. The window does not close. They are just finding ways to be competitive forever. Maintain a good farm system. Maintain, uh, you know, CBT flexibility. All of these things. Bill Shaken joins us now. Bill, um, man, were you scrolling Instagram at the right time? Were you, were you caught by surprise in the middle of a Saturday afternoon or what? We're, we're, yeah, word spread pretty quick for sure. Um, okay, so obviously you've had a little bit of time to plan for this scenario that Shohei Otani was potentially a Los Angeles Dodger. You had that column ready to go pretty quickly. Um, in what you've been able to gather in how you read the situation, you know, what was the difference between the Dodgers and the other suitors for Otani? Well, the Dodgers are paying him $700 million, <laughs> so that's probably a pretty good place to start. Um, but the other thing is, you know, Shohei hadn't really told people what he wanted and what he didn't want, but he had made clear that he wanted to win. Remember, he played for the Angels for six years. Not only did they never get to the playoffs with him, they didn't even post a winning record with him. So if you say you want Shohei Otani to get to the playoffs and you're Shohei Otani, why not go with the team that's made the playoffs 11 straight years? Uh, Bill, obviously, Jays fans aren't going to be happy today. How are Angels fans going to handle this? Because he's in their backyard, literally, almost. I think they were kind of resigned to it. I mean, if you feel that winning is the priority, then there's really nothing that he could do any more than he already had done for the Angels. You know, when you've got not only Otani but Mike Trout and you're not winning – and maybe it's time to go somewhere else. And I don't think anybody would fault Shohei for doing that. So, Bill, when you look at where the Dodgers are at now, obviously uh, Shohei is a, a big, big addition for 2024 to their lineup. Beyond that, for uh, their lineup and the rotation, uh, you have to wonder, though, are they too left-handed heavy now? Uh, I kid, I kid, Bill. But, um, look, the Dodgers <laughs> have more to do here. It's not going to be a, a one guy and some you know inexpensive vet offseason obviously they've re-upped Jason Hayward they brought in Joe Kelly but there is more to do here and we've heard already you know rumblings about certain pitchers or or even position players they could be involved with Um, what do you expect the Dodgers to do to augment this and you know I'd imagine that was a part of the the pitch to Shohei here as well what the roster could look like come April not necessarily uh, right this minute Sure. And remember, it's 10 years, so it's not only the next April, it's the nine after that. Uh, I think their priority really was going to be the same post-Otani, whether they signed him or not, and that is they need starting pitching, and they need a lot of it. If they open the season today, they would have Walker Bueller coming off an injury and possibly four rookies. So, again, the winter is still early. Uh, certainly they're interested in Blake Snell. They're very interested in Yamamoto, who's coming over from Japan. There was a report today that Roki Sasaki, a great young pitcher in Japan, has asked to be posted. His club may or may not do that. Uh, but certainly the Dodgers will bring in somebody. 
Bill, one of your, your your recent articles really got my attention as well. In fact, it may be, it may be today's article. I'm just looking at, 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 uh, at uh, X, uh, posting on X right now, or Twitter, or whatever. I still call it Twitter, but I'm old. Um, the, the TV deal, the TV deal that they have, $8.35 billion. I wonder if maybe this is, isn't one of the, maybe sort of one of the untold stories of the whole Shohei Otani pursuit is the fact that um, not only do the Dodgers have money to do this, but, you know, there were a lot of other teams that might have expected to be interested in this just because of the regional sports problems in the United States and the bankruptcy of uh, of some of the regional sports carriers. They just, they just, you know, they sat down. They just couldn't make this work. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, you, you want always some cost certainty, right? You know, what's my revenue going to be? And then you figure out how you spend it. And for a lot of the teams in Major League Baseball, they don't know about their media revenues because they don't know if the cable channel that's carrying their games this year is going to exist long into the future. The Dodgers are an incredibly fortunate position. They have the best local media contract in baseball. And it's backed not by some bankrupt company like about half the cable deals are, but by a company that does $50 billion a year in annual revenue, and they're not going bankrupt anytime soon. And that's something that, look, this is, uh, again, not a plan B, maybe not even a plan C. If you're the Toronto Blue Jays and you are looking at pivots, um, you know, the weakness of some of those revenue streams or the uncertainty around some of those revenue streams with other teams is maybe where you can look to, uh, you know, kind of leverage the money that you didn't spend on Shohei Otani. Although, again, that's not going to make anyone feel better uh, about, not getting Shohei Otani. Um, Bill, I, I noticed that you have retweeted a couple of, of Dodger players already who are pretty excited here on Rike Hernandez, Walker Bueller. Um, look, everyone is going to be um, pretty excited who's already on the Dodgers. Over the next 10 years, whether it's Sasaki, whether it's Yamamoto, whether it's the, the next wave of player who maybe becomes available or, or current Major League Baseball players, um, how big a recruiting tool is Shohei going to be? Like you mentioned, it's a 10-year deal and the competitive pitch is about sustaining success for 10 years around him. I'd imagine that's self-fulfilling to some extent because, you know, maybe not to the NBA level, but guys are going to want to play with Shohei. They will. And, again, I think a lot of it comes down to success. You know, in the NBA, you've had uh, LeBron pick two or three guys to go with him to Miami or bring Anthony Davis to the Lakers or whatever, and championships soon follows. And, you know, as the Angels found out with Trout and Otani, it doesn't work quite like that. But, clearly, the more talent you get, the better. And the Dodgers are the one team where, I think, when you hear a general manager talk about financial flexibility and a sustainable core and all this yada, 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 normally it just means the owner wants to save some money and the general manager wants more years to try to put a winner on the field. The Dodgers actually do all that stuff. So they have a ton of minor league talent right now for all the money that they spend on Otani that they can go out and use to get some other guys that they need to or to fill in holes that they have like right now in their starting rotation. It's, it's a really well-run organization. And, you know, we always talked about what if you had a team 
with money to apply money ball principles. And that's pretty much the Dodgers. Yeah, it's unfair. It's like they've gone GM mode. You're not supposed to be the high revenue team and the good farm system team and the win now team. It's not like the the sliders aren't supposed to go that way. Um, Bill Shaken, I hope you're going to have a lot of fun with this right now and, and over the course of the next couple of years. Uh, keep up the great work at the LA Times. And thanks for taking the time out this afternoon. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, I was just going to say quickly, I was astonished last year. The Orioles are in first place, and their general manager's like, I don't know if this is the time to go add players. Like, <laughs> well, when is it then? <laughs> yeah, and that's going to be the question. I mean, who knows? Maybe if they get sold, there are rumblings that uh, very, very wealthy people are taking a look at that franchise. But, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I'd look at it and think now's the time. Yeah, and look in Toronto. I mean, I was explaining to people down here yesterday because – you know, no secret Americans sometimes have their provincial blinders on. Like, it's the third largest market in North America. Act like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you uh, go. it's sizable uh, here. Bill, thanks a lot, man. All right. Take care. Bill Shaken of the Los Angeles Times. Uh, I'm Blake Murphy. Jeff Blair still with me. We're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, we'll be back in about five to continue processing the news that Shohei Otani is not going to be a Toronto Blue Jay. He is headed to the Dodgers on what is reported to be an historic 10-year, $700 million deal. That is just shy of $1 billion Canadian. Um, Shohei to the Dodgers. It's a disappointing one here in Toronto. Blake Murphy and Jeff Blair with you after the break on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Sportsnet. I'm Blake Murphy. That was just uh, an ad play for the other show I'm on about the other really disappointing Toronto sports team, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Today, though, we are talking about the Toronto Blue Jays, who, who knows? We don't know if they'll be wholly disappointing for the offseason yet, but today certainly is Shohei Otani, not a Toronto Blue Jay. He announces on his own Instagram that he is headed there. And then the reporting is that it's a 10 year and record $700 million deal. Um, obviously that is uh big, big money. Uh, obviously our Twitter mentions and the text line here to five ninety five ninety, both of those are lighting up. Uh, some people feel, Hey, at, at $700 million, it's reasonable to walk away. Some people think the Jays maybe weren't in it and we're getting leverage to which I would say, that's probably every free agency other than minimum contract guys in the history of free agency. You got to go back to Kurt flood for the last time. Uh, that was not the the case in a, in a bidding scenario. And then some people who are just plain disappointed that the Toronto blue Jays did not get probably the greatest player. Any of us will see in our lifetimes play the game of baseball. Shohei Otani, a monstrous two-way star, the reigning MVP, giving the Dodgers a fifth MVP. Uh, I'm Blake Murphy. Ben Nicholson-Smith joining us in a little bit here, but Jeff Blair still on the line with me. Uh, Jeff, we had a lot there from Shy from Bill Shaken. Um, I'm sure, I mean, not I'm sure, I, I've seen because you tagged me in the tweet. Your Twitter notifications are uh, are going wild. What, what do you make of today from the fan base perspective? I, I know, you know, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro can't manage the team purely around fan reaction, but given that at least some people had let themselves believe here, man, this is a, this is a long road back to fan excitement. I think after the show, Hey, let down. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, especially considering the way, not just this season ended, 
uh, but the way last season ended for the Toronto Blue Jays, the fact that this we've I mean we've been talking about this, the fans certainly know this, the media knows this. I mean, it's Bo and Vladdy have been here now for what four and a half, five years, however many years. Team hasn't won a playoff series. Um, a game. They have, yeah, a game. They have not played particularly well in the playoffs, either of them. Uh, <laughs> baseball is all about hope, right? And I, I kind of feel, I kind of feel conflicted here. Not conflicted, but I can. And I, I mentioned this yesterday, and I know people. You know, there are people out there who one probably don't believe it, and two probably don't really care but you know there was a time not so long ago like 1999 2000 uh where the long-term future of this franchise was really in doubt uh interbrew it was the dying days of interbrew's ownership uh ted rogers purchased the team and and the rogers center then skydome there was real concern in the commissioner's office before ted rogers bought the team that the Jays, not that they were in the in, on the verge of moving, but that at some point down the road there was going to be this confluence of issues, whether it was a combination of the exchange rate, the fact that the Rogers Center you know, wasn't aging particularly well at the time, and again, this is you know, this is all a matter of record. Um, there was real concern that the Blue Jays may not be able to sustain themselves long-term. I can remember that. I can remember this team letting the best homegrown hitter they've had, Carlos Delgado, go as a free agent without compensation because they were scared that he would accept a contract offer of whatever it was going to be, $18 million, $20 million. At the time, that was about a quarter to 30% of the Jays' payroll. There was a time where this team... Alex Anthopoulos, everybody's favorite general manager, had to go cap in hand to the players to try to get <laughs> Irvin Santana signed for $14 million. I mean, the, the players offered, were asked to be, there was talk about players basically giving the organization money so they could get Irvin Santana for $14 million. And you can go, you know, you can go beyond that too. Um, this, this is an organization that traded Roy Halladay. So, and, and part of the reason for that, part of the reason for that was that there was just, they were unable to come to, to, to financial, financial terms with Roy. So if you go back, if you go between 1993 and 2015, there were times where this organization was in a much, much, much darker place. And I know that. And I think there are a lot of fans that remember that. But, man, since 2015, like, 2015 was seismic for this organization. It was seismic for sports in Canada, but it was seismic for the Blue Jays. I, it really was. I, at, at that point, the Blue Jays, I would argue, other than Team Canada women's hockey, Team Canada men's hockey, maybe, maybe Team Canada women's soccer, the Jays are the biggest national sports brand because folks in Winnipeg like the Jays. They don't like the Leafs. They don't like the Habs. They don't like the Canucks. Like this is the one kind of unifying national sports brand, professional sports brand there is in the country. 
And so you've got a whole bunch of, and I'm not blaming fans for this, I understand it, but you've got this uh, a whole generation of fans who are, I think they're looking at this differently than people who remember what those interbrew days were like. And is that going to make people feel better? No. Does it make me feel better? <laughs> no, it just makes me feel old. <laughs> you know, to be honest. And, and yeah, look, that, and that's probably something the front office needs to heed is that, yeah, there are, you know, age demographics of the fan base and, and you're going to have to maybe message differently to some than others. Um, someone who wrote about this and obviously, uh, you know, it's Ben Nicholson-Smith of sportsnet.ca. He's, he joins us now. And Ben, your headline uh, in your reaction piece puts the fans front and center. And I know we both work in media and that, you know, changes things a little bit, but you are as big a baseball fan as I know. You love this transaction stuff. You love this rumor stuff. Um, look, we, you, you know, you, you work for an outlet that owns the team, but how does this feel for you as a general baseball fan? And, you know, I know you have your finger on the pulse of how Blue Jays fans feel right now. Yeah. I mean, it is, uh, a move that I think is pretty devastating for Blue Jays fans, and I think understandably so. I mean, when you look at how all of this unfolded, and I, I heard your points, Jeff, about how much this has all shifted, and that's it's such great perspective to have. But I think in this, in if we're looking at it through the lens of the last like couple of months, and it's gone from the Blue Jays being maybe on the edges of Shohei Otani to whoa, this is actually getting kind of serious, and then yesterday, you know reporting from legitimate outlets saying that he was in Toronto, saying that a deal might be done. Of course, fans are going to get their hopes up in that situation. Why wouldn't you? I mean, that's a really understandable time to get your hopes up and to believe that maybe the Blue Jays have a chance to pull this thing off. And then less than 24 hours later, it's the Shark Tank guy getting off that plane. It's Shohei Otani signing with the Dodgers, not the Jays. And then you look around and, you know, the Blue Jays, have a ton of work to do. They haven't addressed any of their needs this offseason because they've been in limbo waiting for Otani's decision. And so I think it's just, you know, first and foremost, before we get to any of the offshooting stuff, for any fan that's upset with this or frustrated by this, I think it's just so understandable. This is one of the hard days to be a fan, I think, if you're if you're following the Toronto Blue Jays and, and wanting them to turn things around. Okay, Van, listen, I know you're like me. You and, and, and Blake as well. We all love us some trade rumors. That's why we're in this business. We love rumors. Uh, I used to, people used to think I was a nut because I'd say, I like the winter meetings better than the World Series. How surprised are you that this was kept so quiet? Because I, I, I swear to God, I can't remember another free agency where uh, you just, you know, I mean, I woke up this morning, it could have gone either way. I, I don't, and I, and I don't, I'm trying to remember the last time an agency announced a free agent signing. Yeah, it's it's or a so player, different. I should say. Yeah, and you know, as as you know too, Jeff, like having you know worked the worked the winter meetings and worked the phones for deals like this, like it's more common for some information to get out on background. Hey, like don't attribute it to me, but this is kind of what we're thinking. This is where things are looking, and you know, you and I have those conversations with people in the game. And CAA, the agency for Otani, was just so quiet throughout this process, and it really ended up creating an information vacuum where a lot of people were jumping to fill it and making some assumptions. And, you know, some of that was really fun as a, as a fan of the sport to have, you know, the, the opera singer yesterday, like that was actually really fun. Uh, it turned out to, you know, not necessarily lead where we thought it would lead, but 
CAA was really buttoned up in this whole process. And even the teams were too. I mean, for the Dodgers to even say, oh my goodness, we actually do like Shohei Otani. That was like headline news when Dave Roberts said that. The Blue Jays still haven't acknowledged that they have interest in Shohei or that they had interest in Shohei Otani, even though it's obvious to everyone involved that they were right there um, and seriously, seriously interested until the end. So it was a free agency unlike any other, and I think it just reflects the caliber of player because, you know, I've said this before, but, you know, when Tanner Roark was a free agent, it just didn't unfold this way because there just wasn't <laughs> the same appetite for Tanner Roark news because he's not as good of a player. So I think it just reflects this guy is once in a lifetime. Yeah, well, maybe this will work out the way the Tanner Roark signing. Maybe this will work out for the <laughs> Dodgers the way the Tanner Roark signing um, uh, worked out here. You know, Ben, I, I was uh, – as, as yesterday was going on and on and on. I was texting with a couple of people. I, I was texting with an agent who's no longer in the in the game. And I was and, and I was talking about how long this was taking, and we were talking about the whole, can you believe it's it's been kept quiet? I mean, look, I know there are media people with CAA – who didn't have any idea that this that that this was going on, and the point this guy made to me was it was interesting. He said, "You know, look, if we're talking about five hundred to six hundred million dollars, he said you are going to have to have the commissioner's office sign off on it. You are going to have to have the players association involved here if there's a large deferral." And his point was, it's not just a matter of here's the money, you decide, and we make an announcement and. His point, and maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll know this uh, when Shohei Otani eventually does his news conference, but his point was, Jeff, I think Shohei Otani's known for a week where he's going. It's just there's a bunch of stuff going on. And I also think that we, and this is where maybe the, this, the fact that the Dodgers team doctor is so familiar with, with, with uh, Otani may have come into account. This agent also told me, look, don't underestimate how much the issues that surfaced with Carlos Correa last year in the Giants have impacted teams. He said that was, you know, that was serious, and that and that really has thrown a spanner into these things. So, you know, part of me wonders if maybe this decision wasn't made a while ago, but it's just taken such a long time for it to, you know, for to work through the the sausage grinder. Yeah, one of the things that's really different about Shohei Otani is how little he speaks publicly. If, even after he won the MVP, he didn't address the media. There were some issues technologically on that call. He hasn't spoken formally to the media in four months' time now. Um, so we're assuming we will hear from him at some point after this deal is done. Um, and not to be like, you know, sour grapes about it, because obviously the Blue Jays wanted Shohei Otani, and they would have figured out, you know, the whole surrounding media um, chaos that would have followed. Um, but it's a very different situation where he doesn't necessarily – share a lot of that um doesn't share his innermost thoughts with more than a small small handful of people um and and so the blue jays clearly were were in this thing clearly you know i i still come back to the fact that you know he flew across the country from southern california where he lives in the off season to dunedin florida private jet or not that's still a long flight that to me says that his interest in the blue jays was real um but again competing with 700 million even with deferrals I, you know i haven't seen what the what the present day value of that contract will be valued at, but that's a huge, huge sum of money. And uh, I don't know where the Blue Jays landed either. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'd be really surprised if it was below 550 for the Blue Jays, but 550 and 700 are still a long ways away. 
Yeah, that's a that's a big, big gap. Uh, and Ben, you asked a little earlier, when was the last time an agency or player himself uh, announced it? At this level, the last time was Shohei. Uh, CAA kind of put out the press release six years ago yesterday at 2.06 p.m. Eastern, as, uh, as we found out as we tried to peg down when he might make this announcement. Um, you know, on the NBA side, where, where this stuff gets even crazier, like we've had we've had kidnappings and emoji wars uh, during free agency in the NBA side. So I think we're just getting started on the baseball side. I'm ready for more. I'm with you and, and Jeff that this stuff is, uh, this is fun. We, we can push it um, even further. Um, a little context for the listener on the NBA side, by the way. Obviously, Shohei Otani is probably the greatest player any of us will ever see. We know in baseball, though, that one player alone can't have you know, that monstrous an impact. He, he didn't get to the playoffs with the Los Angeles angels. He'll have a much better chance with the Los Angeles Dodgers. That $700 million contract is well more than the career earnings of LeBron James, who is, you know, at, at worst, the second wow. greatest basketball player uh, of all time before endorsements and things like that. He'll have earned about five fifty uh, by the time his current contract. Uh, ends. so um, that's a little background context doesn't make anyone feel better. Ben, uh, the next moves won't make anyone feel better either. And, and I think, you know, the front office is probably in an impossible position in terms of getting that same level of, of fan excitement back, unless there is some trade that we're just not even considering that that isn't Otani or Soto. Um, but if, you know, the focus shifts then to, well, we we're going to lose the PR side, but we've got to be a better team. Um, you know, this is something we can do in the coming days and weeks as well. But is does has anything come front of mind for you? Has anything been different than when you and I did an at the letters kind of previewing the offseason a couple weeks back? Yeah, it's to me, it's like two very, very different pathways. Because my understanding was that if they were to sign Shohei Otani, then there probably wasn't going to be a ton of money left over to go and do other things. So that's one of the reasons that the Blue Jays, among other teams, or putting Otani on the front burner and saying to everyone else, like, let us get back to you in a little bit. So this does open up the second pathway, which is obviously far less exciting. It is not going to be transformative for the franchise or for the team on the field in the way that adding Shohei Otani would have been. Um, so we're talking about a really a far less exciting offseason. Now, can the Blue Jays still have a good offseason here? Can they still go out and piece it together and, win the American League East next year? Like, of course, Shohei Otani himself doesn't guarantee success, as we saw in the last six seasons with the Angels. He makes it a lot easier, but he doesn't guarantee anything. So now the Blue Jays have to really find multiple good players. Um, they've lost four of them to free agency. Um, five, if you include Hunjin Ryu. Six, if you include Jordan Hicks. So really, it's six. I don't know why I wouldn't include those guys. So <laughs> it's, it's six players. They've lost six good players to free agency. That's a lot of work to do. I think they probably need eight or nine or ten, let's say eight at minimum, wins above replacement added to this team. Shohei would have done that in one burst. And now they're going to have to find it from other sources, and it's it's going to be a challenge. I think not only emotionally with the fan base, but even just the actual task of adding those players is pretty substantial. All right. Let's – I mean, let's let's – Take let's let's throw the let's throw the name out there. I, I noticed that uh, Shohei Otani was trending in Canada, followed by Bellinger, um, and I presume it wasn't Clay Bellinger. I presume it's Cody Bellinger. Um, does Cody Bellinger float your boat, Ben? He does. And I, if if you're looking at this through the lens of the Blue Jays, I think something like 160, 170 million dollars is totally reasonable. Maybe 180. Um, I just think Boris might be asking for. 
250 to 300, and I don't see the Jays doing that. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, in all of this, the Giants are still a team to watch because yep. you think about how much they've missed out on on players, and whether it's Yamamoto or whether it's Snell or Bellinger, San Francisco needs to do something, especially with the Dodgers adding Otani. This is like the Giants are the biggest losers in this. I might feel like the Blue Jays are, but really it's the Giants who are. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you completely. And they got they got Otani coming into their yard a yeah. lot this year. Like I, I'm That's with you completely. As much as the Jays, the Jays fans are you know licking their wounds here. I can tell you, Giants fans are too. Exactly, and so I think in that context, the Giants might go out and spend two forty over eight for Bellinger and just get it done, right? To get something, and then at that point, I don't see the Jays going to two fifty to get Bellinger. So I think he goes elsewhere. I think Yamamoto, prop, even though the Jays are are interested, uh, I saw one report characterizing them as one of the seven finalists. Um, so it wouldn't totally rule that out, but there's also buzz that he could be approaching three hundred million. So. You know, are the Jays going to go to 300 for Yamamoto uh, when the Mets and Giants are also motivated there? Like, it's also possible that the Jays' big offseason acquisition is like a Reese Hoskins, and they have a DA spot open right now. Um, clearly, Shohei Otani won't be occupying it, so they can uh, use that to their advantage. But, man, is there ever a big drop-off in <laughs> excitement from Shohei Otani to, to what's next? So, Ben, uh, I look, I went through a little bit of, uh, you know, which teams figure to be hit hardest by the regional sports network deals, because my immediate thought was like, well, maybe you could play, you know, predatory and get a, get a player who costs a little too much for a team, even though uh, they obviously very, very much value the player. You and I have kicked around some of the Milwaukee Brewers names. Um, uh, Quite literally, the only name I could get all that excited for on a day like today was like, maybe the Guardians are really hard up and they consider Jose Ramirez, but I don't think that's realistic at at all based on anything we've heard. Um, Have you done the kind of roster lookup of what guys a team might be able to, yes, throw some props prospects in but also use a little bit of you know financial wiggle room to to try to pry free I I like the way you're thinking there Blake and I think that's probably how the Blue Jays have to look at it internally like I'll I'll be honest with you I haven't like I've been I've been totally locked in on Otani and trying to figure out you know where he's going to go what this is going to look like what are the Blue Jays chances and um, I think to some extent the Blue Jays have been operating on multiple fronts here but to another extent, I think they've been as all-in on Otani as we've ever seen this front office get. And I think in the history of the Jays franchise, I mean, Jeff, you could speak to this, but like, it's hard to think of another full-court press to this extent where top to bottom the organization has been dismotivated to get one player. No, you know, the only thing that comes to mind for me, and it was successful, was the year they went after A.J. Burnett and B.J. Ryan and and guys like that. And, I mean, I was at those winter meetings, and that was a full-court press to get A.J. Burnett. But, you know, to the point where I I don't know how much the CEOs, uh, you know, at at that level, at the corporate level, were involved in in, in, in guys like A.J. Burnett. I mean, I can't can't think of anything like this because – you know, I, I've got to think if if you're looking at a commitment, um, and uh, you know, a commitment that puts you in a position where you're one of the finalists here, that is a corporate decision to me. Yeah. That's not a baseball decision. That is a corporate. Uh, that is a corporate decision. It, it would have to be. It would have to be. I mean, just the sheer dollars. And and again, 
too, we're talking about USD. <laughs> so in Canadian dollars, you know, I've seen people putting the number out there. It's like 955 million Canadian dollars. Just and round it up to a billion. Why Throw yeah. a little extra on there. Exactly. It's a billion exactly. dollar deal. And, and look, Shohei Otani is an amazing player. He's two players in one. Like this is, we don't see this. If you have the money, if you can do it, do it. You know, like yeah. if you can, if you can go out there, I'm not going to say they shouldn't have got Shohei Otani or if they had, if they'd signed him to 600 over 10 with no deferrals, I wouldn't be on with you guys right now saying that's a great deal. I think that would have been a great deal for the Blue Jays. They just weren't able to get it done. And Otani picked the team that is an absolute force in major league baseball. I mean, they're the Dodgers are the model franchise who can fault him for choosing them. And of course there's frustration and justified, justified frustration from Blue Jays fans, but Otani never made the Blue Jays any promises. You know, he he chose to just go through his own process here and do some visits, and you know, we'll hear from him eventually um, as as far as how how seriously he considered the Blue Jays. But um, it would seem that they were a team that really caught his eye and that were uh, in serious consideration to be his next team. Ben, very quickly before we let you go here, um, the I think the the probably worst thing. Uh, even if it makes sense that you have to move on to other moves is like if the first Jays move to trickle down here is a really minor one, like in the middle of all the, the nonsense yesterday, the Tigers signed Anthony Bamboom to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. Who is the blue Jays, Anthony Bamboom? Like, like if the first thing the leak is a really, really minor transaction that just makes everyone shake their head and get sad again. Who, who's that name? How about tomorrow? We get a tweet from the Blue Jays saying that they have claimed Tyler Heineman back on waivers <laughs> from the Mets. How would that? How would that land? Do you think that might get ratioed? I mean, yeah, you can't say, I'll like, see a Tyler Heineman and raise you a Tony Camp signing. There, there we go. go. Yeah, yeah. Like, the the only way I could even top, top that I think is is if they claim whoever the subsequent forty man move is for Otani off the Dodgers. Oh, stop it! <laughs> stop Ooh, it! Stop it! Yeah, that would that would do it. But I think like. You know, we're at, a, we're at a moment right now where I'm sure it's the same for you guys. And again, I understand it. But like you say anything about the Blue Jays right now, like you get ratio. Like people are frustrated. And I understand why, because it's been it's been a tough week of highs and lows for the Jays. And it's ending on a low. And there's a lot of work to do before it gets to another high. In the words of a friend who just texted me, in hindsight, why would something good happen? Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith, uh, appreciate you taking the time out to join us uh, despite the sadness of the day, the disappointment of the day, and great work over at uh, sportsnet.ca centering the, the fan perspective uh, in all this. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Yeah, Ben, thanks, man. Good work in, uh, in Nashville, too. As I've told people, you guys, anybody who can survive a week at Opryland gets a medal as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think he's already off the line to to say thank you for for that, Jeff. But yeah, um, it's I, I haven't got to do winter meetings yet in my career. I've done spring training. I've done NBA summer league, which is like kind of the NBA equivalent, but there's actual basketball going on as well. I, I got to do a winter meetings, and yeah, I mean, look, I talked to Keegan Matheson, I talked to BNS. I, you put me in a in a place that is very bar oriented in Nashville for a couple of days. I, I think I'll survive, Jeff. I think I might have to do something like that after the show's over today as well, given the the tone of the day uh we've got to take a break here uh jeff blair i think you'll still be with us on the other side so thanks for sticking around thanks for sticking around listening with us blake murphy and jeff blair will continue talking about what is next for the toronto blue jays after coming close allegedly but missing out 
on Shohei Otani. He is off to the Dodgers. 10 years, $700 million with historic deferrals that will pay him 10 times a Bobby Bonilla for like 40 years. Uh, See you after the break. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet. I'm Blake Murphy, still joined by Jeff Blair. We are processing today's news reported by Shohei Otani on Instagram that Shohei Otani is a Los Angeles Dodger signing what is reported to be an historic 10-year, $700 million contract. Uh, John Becker of Fangraphs doing some work in terms of these deferrals. Now, we haven't heard the specifics of the deferrals, but he did an example on Twitter. I'm sure it'll be up on Fangraphs later of how deferring a bunch of money for Shohei Otani could impact the Dodgers' collective uh, our competitive balance tax situation and could lower the annual hit by something like nine or 10 million a year. Uh, not something Jays fans care about, but if you are curious as to just how big the Dodgers tax bill is going to get uh, some relevant information there for the Dodgers side of things. Uh, again, I'm Blake Murphy, Jeff Blair with me. We're going to be with you until about five 30 here uh, processing this. Um, Jeff, are we, are we turning the page to what's next yet? Do we need to sit in this a, a little bit? I, I imagine for fans, it's more uh, sitting in this disappointment. Uh, what do you want to do here? Yeah, I mean, if it's me, I've you know, I've kind of already I've kind of already turned the page. Listen, you cover the Montreal Expos as long as I did. You become an expert in page turning. <laughs> that is, uh... I mean, it's that that's the story of, of my career uh, as a baseball writer, as a baseball reporter who's been turning the page. You know, I was just thinking of something that I, it, 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 you and Ben were talking, I think, and I, and I love Ben's, I love Ben's ability to kind of put, to, to, to kind of put everything in perspective. You know, the Jays had a payroll of 258 million last year. Now we're led to believe that the payroll is going to be about the same, m- maybe a bit less. Uh, so I don't know. Let's say for argument's sake, it's someplace between 245, 250. You know, right now, according to Spotrack, uh, their uh, 40-man payroll is about 218 million. Um, or I'm, I'm sorry, if you 188 million. But you know, I, they've still got room to make moves here. This is something you know fans need to remember. I mean, they've dropped Merrifield, Chapman, Kiermaier, and Belt, and Jordan Hicks. Those guys are gone. Uh, there are some raises. Vlad is estimated to go from 14.5 to 21. Bo goes from 2.85 to 11 million. Gossman goes from 24 million to 24 million from 21. Bassett 21 from 18. Chad Green, he ain't making 2.35 million this year. He's making 9 million. Barrios goes 17 million from 15. I think Romano's estimate is someplace around 6.95 million. I mean, they still should have some money to sign a Cody Bellinger or add somebody who's making $30 million a year uh, without having to move a pitcher, for example. Now, I know that there has been discussion internally about George Springer's contract. The Jays understand that in order to move George Springer, they would have to assume a good chunk of that contract. But I think, I, I, I still think I still think there's room here for this team to really be creative and to put itself in a position where it can be a better team 
next year than it was this year. But, I mean, it's just not going to be as sexy as bringing Shohei Otani in. It's certainly not. And, look, I remember sitting down with Ben Nicholson-Smith a couple weeks ago, and like I mentioned to him, we did an At The Letters episode, and we went through some of these off-season scenarios. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we were being too pessimistic at the time, or maybe we were being the perfect amount of pessimistic. We didn't even mention Shohei. It was like, uh, oh yeah, obviously if you can get Shohei, you do that. But here's the actual uh, way the off season could look. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of those names have gone off. You know, the Juan Soto trade rumors hadn't really picked up by that point. You know, that'll be an interesting one to revisit in the the next couple of days. Um, And just think on, you know, theoretically the, the Padres, valued pitching there and and the Jays probably don't have the depth on the pitching side of the org to have done that. But, um, you know, something worth thinking on anyway. So yeah, we we had originally set this off season up as if plan C was was maybe plan a here. So um, I'm, I'm at least calibrated for it, but it is really hard to, you know, jump down several tiers here. Now, Jeff, um, something that that Ben and Shai both mentioned as a, as a possibility was, Hey, this is a really, light position player free agent class and there's Cody Bellinger but Heimer Condelario is already gone uh, there aren't a lot of really spicy names after that unless you're looking at you know paying like a little lower on, like on some yeah. bounce back candidates yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think about the potential for them to make a splash in a much deeper starting pitching market and then try to figure some things out via the trade you know that that's uh, we know that they that we know that they spend a great deal of time scouting in Japan. We know that Ross Atkins has been over personally in Japan, uh, scouting the free agent pitchers over there. I can see this organization doing that as a pivot, maybe something we're not necessarily thinking about because we've been fixated on the uh, on 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 the roster. But I can absolutely see this organization. Uh, maybe deciding that, you know what, if we can't kill him with hitting, well, maybe we kill him with even more run suppression. Uh, end, end of the day, th- there's nothing there unless something you know, falls out of the woodwork in, in the next however many months before the start of spring training. There, I don't think there's one move they can make that is going to sell all those premium seats for them anymore. There, there was one move that would have done that. I don't even think signing Cody Bellinger does that. The one move that would have done that would have been Shohei Otani. Um, but there are ways that this team, there are ways that this team can get better, and um, you know that's and that, that's that's kind of where we are. And, and yeah, I I listen. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if they if they pivot off this and uh, and try to strike it rich in the pitching market, and then you know, operate from a from a position of surplus with Ricky Tiedemann and, and who knows what Alec Manoa is going to be. But that that's absolutely a possibility. And, you know, there are always teams out there, too, that you you, you guys talked about the teams with the issues because of the uh, the regional television contract. You know, there are always teams. I mean, they're, they're the traditional teams like the Colorado Rockies who are always going to do something because they're the Rockies and they're just they're not going to be any good. So I don't know just getting a guy like Ryan McMahon. That's not a sexy name. Could he make this team better? I think he makes them better. Um, at third base, I don't know. Do they revisit Matt Chapman, bringing Matt Chapman back on a short-term contract? There, there, there are things they can do uh, in terms of position players. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep on the uh, on the pitching side either.
And I think, you know, Jeff, the thing that I'm left with most here, and look, maybe this was just the Dodgers went to 700, the Jays wouldn't go past 600 or 550 or whatever it was. Maybe Shohei ultimately decided he did want to stay on the West Coast and he did want to stay in L.A. Those are things that we're not going to know necessarily. But I do think that one thing we can assume with some safety played a part in it is the competitive situations. And yes, the Jays are in the AL East and that's a little tougher. Um, And and the NL West is a, is a little friendlier, especially because three of the teams in that division are the type of team like we're talking about that project to be hit pretty hard by this regional sports network uh, situation. Um, But I look at this and it's like, okay, well, what, what can you control for the next time this Mm -hmm. comes around? If you work under a fixed budget and you play in Toronto and the team's not moving, well, the one thing that you could better control is how good your competitive environment is to pitch to a player. So I I think this has become, you know, not just for the fan side and, and the sweets side, which are also important, but the lesson I'm taking from this is, the Jays weren't a safe enough. You can compete for a world series every year destination just yet. And I, I think, you know, if you're Shapiro and Atkins, obviously you were trying to win anyway, but I think you see here that, you know, f- making the playoffs, but not having a playoff win in a little bit, having so many players Great go point. out the door, not having mm-hmm. that many high end prospects ready to go. Um, there's a cost to that. And, and not only does it make your team worse, it makes it harder to make your team better. I, I had a GM tell me one time years ago that because uh, I, I I asked him I said what's okay when you talk to an agent, um, what questions do agents ask? Yeah, obviously you're going to talk about money and uh, but what does an agent ask? And and I had a GM tell me one time that the toughest question he'd ever had an agent ask him was okay, if we sign with you tonight, what's your next move? What's your next move? Who do you go after next? Now, let's just play this along. If you're Nez Baleo and you say to Andrew Friedman, what's your next move? And he goes, well, we're going to try to sign Blake Snell. Oh, okay. Uh, what would Ross or Mark be able to say? You know, and this gets to your point about, and, I, and I'm not holding, I'm not saying anything negative about Ross and Mark, but this gets to your point about the competitive window. Are they going to be able to say, well, after we're done with you, we're going to go out and add Blake Snell? I don't know. Uh, after we're done with you, you know, boy, we'd like to add a third baseman. I don't know. Maybe we bring Reese Hoskins in to, to you know, to, and, and I think you make a valid point. It's, um, it, it's the Dodgers are a more attractive, from a competitive point of view, the Dodgers are, are a more attractive option than the Blue Jays are right now. Yeah. And, and like you said, what, what is the Jays next move? Well, you know, the things you would have laid out there would probably have been, well, we believe that one or two of Davis Schneider, Addison Barger, um, or Elvis Martinez, Spencer yeah. Horowitz, like a couple of those guys are going to be major leaguers by next year. Okay. That, that is an important thing for the franchise, but not going to move the needle for Shohei Otani. Hey, we might have p- surplus pitching depth. If we dip in on someone, we could flip Alec Manoa for like a Tyler O'Neill type. I don't think that's uh that's moving right. the needle a lot either. And, and I think that that highlights, you know, not only part of the, the difficulty in, in pitching a guy like Shohei Otani, but really does, you know, when you look at where the blue Jays are, right this second um look you know fan graphs and places like that project the 2024 blue jays to have a high floor again um they have some you know at least reasonable floor prospects who could come up vlad i think most people outside of toronto have some confidence he'll be better than he he's trended the last little while uh, Bo is Bo, but you know can you bet on the 
starting pitching staff being the healthiest staff in baseball for a third consecutive year? Can you, you know, are, are any of those prospects locks as everyday pieces? Um, they're not really. So it's, uh, it's going to be a tough couple of weeks here, Jeff. Well, and then you factor in or you add in the fact that the, the uh, New York Yankees are starting to act like the New yeah. York Yankees again with Juan Soto. Uh, Juan Soto, who, by the way, cost them in pieces. And we saw Michael King a couple times down the stretch last year, and he was pretty good. But that did not thin out their farm system. That did not take much off of their major league roster. Like Michael King was going to be a back-end rotation piece for them. But that's all they gave up off the major league roster to add Juan Soto. Yeah, and and that's why I'm going to give myself credit here because I kind of thought early in this process I would – but again, I didn't think, I, I will admit, I didn't think the Jays would get this far down the road with Shohei Otani. But I was more convinced the Jays were going to get Juan Soto than they were going to get Shohei Otani. We know they talked to, Juan, uh, to, to the Nationals when Juan Soto was available. And I, you know what? I like the idea of bringing Juan Soto in, in, in here for a year. And quite frankly, I don't care if I have to give up Ricky Tiedemann uh, to get him. Because you know why? Like, we have to be realistic here. This is an organization that hasn't won, and we talked about it. They haven't won a they haven't won a postseason game. Like, with all due respect to Ross and Mark, there will come a time where they're not going to be around to clean up the mess here that's left, or they're not going to be around. They're not going to be the guys that are going to be responsible for you know trying to fill in the minor league system because you move prospects in order to get a guy in here. So yeah, that's why I kind of that's why I I I kind of had my eyes on Juan Soto here and. You know, that's, again, that's a thing that concerns me. You know, you look at this division, the Rays are the Rays. Um, boy, I'll tell you what, if the Rays have some players I would take in a heartbeat if the Rays and Jays could ever figure something out. But the Yankees are acting like the way the Yankees used to act. Um, the Red Sox, I just, the Red Sox, I don't know. <laughs> I don't trust the Red Sox. And and the Orioles are going to be good probably for the next five or six years. So, yeah, it's... Uh, this division got tough. This division got tough. And, uh, you know, the heavy lifting for Ross and Mark it's st- still got to be done. Yeah. And a, a terrifying thought with the Orioles in this division, too, is like Peter Angelos has obviously operated that team in mm-hmm. a way that at least through GM Michael Elias, it sounds like the point of building up the best system in baseball and having all this young talent was to do more of the raise model of like, well, let's stay cheap and young and good for a long time, but we're not going to spend at the Yankees Red Sox level. Well, if it's true that... um you know, David Rubenstein it wants to potentially buy this team. You'd think it's not just as a profit center. You'd oh, be no. you'd be wanting to win as well. So this Orioles team, you know, who, who knows? By the time all this stuff happens, maybe it's a year or two down the line. But adding some financial might there as well is uh, is not great. The other thing is the Jays have the worst farm, the worst ranked farm system, at least of any of the teams in this division, too. Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, well, yeah. Look, uh, it, it's they. Even if they'd signed Shohei Otani, they would have had a they would have had a lot of work to do this year. And I know my friend Mr. Barker will always get back to this. You know what? If Vladdy is the Vladdy he was three or four years ago, they're gonna be fine. <laughs> and I know that's a niff. But um I, I think we can't lose sight of that. Like there is there there is still a way forward for this organization. It's just uh it's just not as it's not as sexy and, and not as much fun, you know, as it might have been and there's something at work here as well, and I wanted to ask you about this because um, you know, I, I look at this team and I look at the Raptors. Different sports. I get all that. But, you know, it's it's almost like 
I wonder what the Raptors season is all about. It's just like I've all, I've wondered for the last two years, what's a Leaf season all about? It's all about winning in the playoffs, right? And and I just this is kind of the first time that I've I've got the impression that Jays fans are kind of scratching their head and going, what exactly we got here? It's a tough one, and the answer you know? on the answer on the Raptors side is the point of this season is to drive me to baseball permanently. Uh, that seems to be <laughs> what the, the Raptors are, are looking to do. Um, yeah, and on the Jays, but side, you know what I mean, right? I do, you know, I do. You know what I mean. And on the Jays side, you know, two years ago, three years ago, even they they almost or they make the playoffs in the fake season with the expanded playoffs, but it's still fun because you got Hyunjin Ryu, you had George Springer, Bo and Vlad, you know, look pretty good in a young year, and then the next year you could get there you know the pat riley term the innocent climb before there are expectations where yeah they missed the playoffs but they're fun and vlad has the season he has and the vibes are good and then the last two years have kind of been no different than those first two years and that idea of well we're a young team on the upswing who's just started to try to put the financial might behind the core and things like that that's no longer true and the window of we have a long time to figure this out and a couple cracks at it because our two superstars are young and under control for a long time is no longer true because we're two years away from Bo and Vlad potentially being free agents um, you know on top of which I, I think even if you're still optimistic about Vlad people, everyone would have had to certainly downgrade their projections for him since the 2021 season. So um, I I do think, you know, what the point is, is they're still going to try to sell this as a, hey, we can compete for a division. And once you're in the playoffs in baseball, anything can happen and look at our rotation. And yeah, we learned from last year or whatever. Um, But it is, you know, kind of a third or fourth season in a row of being in the same place. And I think that's kind of the point you were getting at with the Raptors as well, which is, you know, we've done this a couple times. Now we got to start moving in a direction. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, at least the Raptors, at least the Raptors can kind of flash a ring at you though. You know? Yeah. I mean, five years ago, but yes, it is a, it is the most recent ring of the, the major North American sports in the, uh, in the city. So there is that, but I'll tell you doing a two hour Raptor show and having those mentions on Twitter and to the show and things like that, the, the people have five years seems to be the statute of limitations on on Hmm. patience there. Um, so, you know, we're headed into year five of, of uh, the the six years of control for Vlad and Bo, so who knows? Maybe that maybe that five year mark is a is a good indicator of when impatience starts to set in. Yeah, it's um, well, you know, it, it's uh, as I said, I, th- I think this is uh, th- this is this is a team that needs to be exciting again. And I, I think one of the, the things that happened last year that uh, that I think was certainly noticeable from talking to people is I, I th- they seem to have a little less fun last year than they than they had before. And I'm not talking about the home run jacket or things of that nature, but just in general, uh, you really got the sense that that uh, there just wasn't a dynamism to the team. Uh, that that we saw in preceding years, and and again, I hate to bring it back to 2015 and 2016, but you know, I mean, clearly there are people who still they yearn for the the days where the Blue Jays were kind of yeah, they were nasty, a little dirty, they pissed you off, they went out, they hit home runs, they beat you in a variety of ways, and and um, yeah, I I, I just uh, we'll, we'll have to see what the pivot is. 
We'll yeah, have to see what the pivot is off this. Look, if you if you want to start looking at free agents at the pivot, if you're at that spot already as a Jays fan, um, I have the list of remaining position player free agents in front of me, Jeff. And this is based on last year's wins above replacement. So not a perfect listing, but but it's a, an easy way to sort. And of sure. the top 10 available position players, three of them were on the Blue Jays last year in Matt Chapman, Brandon Belt, and Kevin mm-hmm. Kiermaier. And two of them were traded away by the Blue Jays in the last 12 months in Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez. So um, it can be a little tough to you know, squint at some of those. Look, uh, those are still very good players, um, but the idea of, well, that guy will push you over and things will be better with uh, is a little tougher when it's a, a name, you know, even if they're still, you know, pretty solid players. Uh, also, a couple of those guys repped by Boris. So, you know, you know, they're not coming back cheap either. Right. Do we have we have we not maybe made a big enough or have we failed to make a big enough deal of how much money this is, by the way? Like, yeah. I noticed a couple of people have have, have uh, tweeted out that his uh, that, that Shohei Otani, if you operate under the. We're using seventy million a year. Seventy million is is a larger payroll than five major league teams had last year, and um, you know further to that, I was looking, uh, I was looking at at the the estimates for Shohei Otani. You know, Eno Saris, who who did a really deep dive into Shohei Otani for the Athletics, does a terrific job. Twelve years, four hundred and fifty million. Fangraphs does a terrific job. Generally, they can they can be pretty accurate in terms of analyzing what free agents are going to get through crowdsourcing. They had ten and four fifty. Yep. I I think we need you know just yes the money's deferred but seven hundred million dollars. Yep. For a baseball player. And this is the thing is, uh, I think you you mentioned it earlier, is like this is not just a baseball decision. This is a business decision. It is almost impossible by any way you measure, you know, dollars per wins provided or or dollars per production to be worth, quote unquote, $70 million. But then you factor in the marketing, the advertising, the jersey sales, the attracting other players and all that stuff. Um, This is a business decision, not just a baseball decision. If you are the blue Jays though, and I think this is, you know, kind of the, the point you're getting at here before we close is if 70 or say, let's say the Jays went to 10, 600, if $60 million was available for one player and mm-hmm. probably a little extra to, to fortify the roster around that, you know, that's, that's probably roughly, maybe it's a little higher than, than the number you have to play with here. Because again, all the extras that Otani brings from a revenue perspective, but you do have some money uh, to spend here, whether it's in that free agent bin or whether it's in trade. Uh, Jeff, we've got about two and a half minutes left here. How are you feeling? Did we, did we talk through it enough? Yeah, I think so. Look, um, if I had told you, I hate saying this, but if I had told you six weeks ago, Blake, Shohei signing with the Dodgers. You would have gone, huh. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a road we didn't expect to go down. Um, who knows how far we actually got down it with the Blue Jays. Again, I don't think we'll ever know. That, to me, is the most intriguing thing about this because it doesn't appear as if this agent or this player. Like, I don't think you're going to see uh, Shohei Otani quoted in an article the way Justin Verlander was quoted by Jeff Passan earlier this year. Where he said, yeah, Toronto was my second choice a couple <laughs> of years ago. As a matter of fact, I thought I was going there. Honestly, that uh, would probably hurt fans more at this point, knowing for sure you were yeah. second choice. I, I think it's, it's, it would probably be nice now just to, just to, to imagine that you, you, know, you had a seat at the table. But again, I keep getting back to this. It, it hurts. Uh, it would have been a lot of fun to be a Blue Jays fan with Shohei Otani, but I mean, all I can tell people is uh, – yeah. 
it's been darker. It really has been darker than this. And um, having said that, there, you know, I think we've all agreed from from talking to Ben and from uh, you know yourself and 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 Shy, like there's there has to be a pretty quick pivot here. There has to be a pretty quick pivot off of this thing. You know, Boris is hitting up the phone lines today with uh, oh any of God. the teams that uh, just missed out on Shohei Otani. Uh, Jeff Blair, you and Barker will surely be on when there is news to cover, when there are additions, not just hypothetical additions that didn't come through. Uh, hope you are enjoying the uh, downtime parts of your offseason. Thanks for thanks for doing this with me this afternoon. Uh, this- this was a lot of fun, Blake. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Jeff Blair of Blair and Barker. They had a show yesterday as well. If you want to go back and check that out, what the the feeling was 24 hours ago uh, with the Shohei Otani thing. I've been Blake Murphy. Thanks to Jeff for coming on. Thanks to Ben Nicholson-Smith, Shai Davidi, uh, Bill Shaken for all coming on. Uh, Austin, Daniele, and David who rushed in on a Saturday to help us out behind the glass. And I'm very, very sorry to Blue Jays fans that we were breaking down the impact of Shohei Otani not signing with the Toronto Blue Jays instead of being a Blue Jay for the next 10 years. Hopefully better news ahead. Probably not on the Raptors show tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Have a good weekend, guys.